Hello, everyone, and welcome to ClutchCast, a podcast to guide and inspire student-athletes to reach their goals. My name is Dominic Brianti, and today we have a knockout of a guest with us. He is known as the Italian sensation, former WBC international welterweight champion, and my paisano, Mr. Phil Logreco. Phil, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? Not too bad. Thank you so much again. Listen, you know I'm a big fan of yours, but besides being a big fan, I definitely wanted to have you on because I want this young generation to hear about your story and everything you've done in your life so far, and there's so much more to it. How did you get the nickname, the Italian sensation? Well, because, you know, I traveled all over the world, and Italians are we're a great culture. We're, a lot of people embrace us. You know, they like our fashion. They like our clothes. They like our food, of course. Know, lifestyle. So I believe uh, we're all sensational. Kind of sensational people. Today. I like that. I like that. As you know, I'm Italian as well. Uh, just like you, I lived there for a while. Uh, let me let me ask you a question regarding that. How was your uh, transition from? Uh, you were born in Canada, correct? I was born in Canada. Yes. Yeah. And then, at what age did you move to Italy? Oh. Oh, so you're a baby. Okay. I, I went a little later on in life. I was 11. Did you enjoy uh, Italy, the old country? I did, for sure. You know, I, I was able to learn. Uh, you know, my parents were, they grew up and be part of their culture, of course. And when I moved back when I was nine years old, English was a second language. The experience of living in both parts of the world was sensational. At an early age, of course, at 11, I wasn't too happy to go back. You know, we I went from uh, the streets of New York City, you know, playing in the streets all the time, being in the schoolyard, playing baseball, football, all that, uh, and ending up in a very small town. And uh, it, it was a traumatic experience, to be honest with you. But later on in the years, I definitely grew to, uh, to appreciate it a lot, and I definitely understand what you mean. So talking about um, your Italian roots – one of the things I always loved following your uh, YouTube series or your posts online, uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, is how close you are with your family. And uh, I think that's an amazing thing. I think that's one of the things that actually probably um, we could be most proud of, correct? Uh, tell me your experience with your family, if you don't mind. Oh, of course. Uh, please. Uh, I'm glad you asked. We're very close. Everyone supports each other. Isn't that what family is supposed to be about? Raising your kids to the best of your abilities, raising them good manners, good ethics, you know, wishing the best for your kids. Me being a father, recently I'm trying to pass the same what was passed on uh, from my parents uh, to my daughter. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that they actually uh, teach us how to do. And, uh, yeah, I definitely agree. And that's why a lot of traditions that we uh, we were born with uh, keep on tr- uh, carrying on for generations and generations. And talking about uh, things that we carry with us, how about the food, Phil? I know you're very, very fond of food. Uh, food's my kryptonite. <laughs> um, the food always beat me. The cravings always beat me. It's very hard, especially when I like bread. I like cold cuts. Love cold cuts, bread. Um, you're talking about the, Ita- the typical Italian lunch, the typical Italian dinner. Yeah, but I also, I also like American barbecue. They know how to make bean barbecues. Oh, it's yeah. great. You know, I think uh, America also has great, tasty food. You know, Italians, we embrace American, their culture as well. Food, you know, we like, I like Big Macs. I, I like to have my own 
big Mac attack, I call it. Hey, how about the barbecues in uh, Canada? I mean, uh, you guys must be good at that. I mean, you have fresh meat up there. You have a lot of hunting. The, better with the, barbecues. No. the relationship with food and fighting, right? Those two things, those two, those two Fs really don't get along too well. Uh, or at least the some types of foods, the ones that we're accustomed to. And when I say we, I I'm sure. Go ahead. I will say Buck saved me from being an obese kid. Uh, that's interesting. Because of the cravings of food that I have to this day, I think I would have been a, a very obese kid probably. So, if so I didn't uh, box. So, thank God for the routine then that kept you in shape. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, so you, I mean, you are of uh, Sicilian descent. Lived in Sicily. I mean, you guys have, um, yeah. or you're not a big fan of sweets. I am. I like pastries, cannolis, especially uh, chocolate. You know, Sicilians also making sense to make great wine over the last 20 years. That's true. Um, Very true. And the, the and seafood dishes, of course. So, what what town? Are you, what city are you from in uh, in Sicily? Um, probably about less than 10 miles away from the famous town. Where everybody wants to be a gangster from <laughs> Palermo. Oh, okay, the town itself. Oh, I didn't know that. That's very close. That's very close. Yeah, and I'm like uh, about ten miles from Palermo as well. Yeah, so that's cool. You're right there. Uh, that's beautiful. But I mean, you had yeah. one of your biggest uh, uh, events in your life, I think. And correct me, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, in uh, 2010, in another city though, in uh, Syracuse, correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was always a goal of mine to fight in Sicily. For a WBC international belt, there it's very uh, exciting. Part, you know, put on my bucket list as a professional for sure. It's, uh, it's a good night. Yeah, I mean that's the night that you picked up the welterweight title, and and to do it like you said in in uh, Syracuse in Sicily, I mean that definitely must have made your family and yourself very proud. For sure, big time. So, see, that's one of the things. That's yeah. one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, on the podcast, right? Um, you, you don't, you haven't lived the typical uh, life. Even though I don't know if there is a typical life for a boxer, I don't know because I'm not in that um, in that sport. But I mean, you travel the world, like you said before. Uh, you you definitely uh, have been exposed to so many different things, and you've always been quick on your feet. And I don't only mean on the, in the ring. I also mean when there was an opportunity that was presented to you, you never uh, really stepped back. And you see, one of the things we try to do here with the podcast through Clutchcast, but with the organization called Clutch Recruits, is to give that message, right, that you have to always try to explore your options. You always have to try to take advantage of opportunity. We want this, you know, we want the youth to actually be quick on their feet and realize when there's an opportunity to take. And uh, one night when you took the Spence fight, and then give us, give us a little background on it, if you don't mind, because your, your time for preparation for that fight was how many days? Two days. Two days. That, that alone is a record, in my opinion. Can you give us a little uh, background on that? Yeah, sure. I was just saying, you know, I woke up in the morning having my breakfast and I get a call from uh, Sam Watson and Al Heyman asking me if I wanted to take this opportunity. I didn't have to, they said, but if I wanted it there, I said, yeah, I would love to take the opportunity. I said, condition that all my pictures, all my photos will be switched right away all over the MGM ground, the slot machines and everywhere, and I'll do it. And they did. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's one thing. See, you just made me aware of something. I mean, that's very important, right? You definitely want to have your name out there if you're going to also get into that ring. Can you explain to us what's the importance of that? I mean, besides, of course, the pride factor. It's just the fact of living the dream, you know, fighting in the big lights, you know, getting the big fights, having your name everywhere, your photos everywhere, people coming up to you for pictures, you know. Uh, it's a big, it was a big sacrifice. I said, hey, if I'm making this sacrifice, losing 16 pounds in two days. Hmm. Then you guys go ahead and make the sacrifice, and uh, I don't know how much money it must have cost them for sure. Not six figures, but <laughs> around that to change yeah. all those photos. 
That, that was a nice card. That was, was. It was actually have the, the there's a gym that's opening that opened up here in Niagara Falls, and part of that poster is about thirty feet long, and wow. I had it. They shipped it to me. Wow. And uh, put up in the gym. It was just a big, brand new gym that opened up. It's like probably thirty feet long, forty feet long. Wow, that, that that's awesome. I mean, you know, just to see, like you said, to see your name. And your and your photo printed uh, after all the and not for nothing, right? I mean, these are the sacrifices that you put in day in and day out. Even though the last sacrifice that were requested of you, you had to kind of like you know uh, get ready in two days. I don't want to ask you all the secrets, but how does a boxer lose sixteen pounds in two days? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. A lot of it was just water weight, uh, sweating, a lot of sweating, sauna, uh, forget about food. You don't eat. You just don't eat, right? And uh, I remember I was in the hotel. I had a big suit, and the night before the weigh-in, I was maybe like three pounds overweight, dehydrated, mm. very dehydrated. I was starting to hallucinate a little bit, and uh, I was like, when I looked at myself in the mirror, I'm like, what did I just agree on? What did I just do? And then after like, I would say five minutes, my mind frame switched. I'm like, no, 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 this is a big opportunity. You got to take it. Because I was almost close to I wouldn't say giving up on making the weight, but I was close to faint to make this weight. It was just too much, 16 pounds. Yes, yeah, and a lot. luckily I had the right people who helped me make the weight. Uh, even Dr. Pete from Brooklyn, he showed up. He got on the plane right away. He knows I needed I needed uh, his help, and uh, he, he flew. So it should. that was that was nice. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, Dr. P, I mean, forget about it. He's a, he's a man. Big shout out to Dr. Pietro Bayo. So before I want to, before I'm going to ask you uh, another question, right? Uh, regarding another fight, I, I'm still, I still want to ask you one more regarding this uh, weight loss and all that. How does a boxer go out after losing 16 pounds in two days, dehydrated, weak from not eating, right? I'm talking about just from the, the point of view of not eating. What mental state do you have to be in to get not not only in that ring because that's probably the easiest part because you're there already to actually walk to that ring from from your 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 room after you know you got your, your gloves on and all that what does it take mentally I mean what can we tell the, the younger generation how do you prepare mentally to do something like that very simple remind yourself why you started it's very simple what when when kids when I was a kid you know we all have this energy right we're ten years old eleven twelve 12, 13, we're in our teens, we feel that we can do everything, anything that we want when we're kids. And it takes also a smart individual to know the difference in making it happen. So if you remember when you were a kid and I was a kid, I felt like I could do everything. Yeah. But how many of your friends when you were kids, oh, I want to be a hockey player, I want to be a singer, I want to be a basketball player. Well, how many of them became that? And how many of them didn't do uh, that as a profession? And I'll tell you why. And I always tell the young the young generation to stay away from the naysayers because there's a lot of kids that say they'll laugh at you and they'll plant negative seeds. You're not going to make it. You're not gonna, are you kidding me? Uh, and then what happens? The kid, because he heard from his friends that he's not going to make it and he's still training, he'll make sure he doesn't make it. That's I'll rephrase that. The kid will make sure he does not make it because his friends or his Peers or his, or his parents or relatives said you're not gonna make it. But even though you're still gonna train for the uh, the career that you want, you'll make sure that you don't make it. 
because of that. So I had a lot of those seeds planted, but I was able to just stay focused and keep moving forward and just staying, staying the course, right? Well, let me tell you something. You proved it uh, not only in the ring, but uh, you know after the fights are over, uh, there's the uh, you know the decisions, the wins, the knockouts, and your record is incredible, right? Thirty three fights, twenty nine wins, uh, sixteen by the way of knockouts. Uh, literally traveled all over the world from Canada to the states, uh, Budapest. Uh, you, you've been everywhere, Italy, and then we come to 2018, April 21st. How did we get there? I, the story, how you get there, how you got there, is a lot more. Um, not because it wasn't a great fight, and and of course, I mean, it, whatever happened happened. But the way you got there, that is the message to me. Like creating your own opportunity. That's the way I call that situation. Can you explain that? Well, now it's very simple. Now with technology, you know, if we want to get a hold of someone, we could, it, we're, we're a click of a button away. We're away. We're just a click of a button. Back in the day, maybe when you grew up, if you wanted to get a hold of someone, maybe you had a, maybe you had a phone number, maybe you had to send a letter, maybe the guy reads it, maybe he doesn't get back to you. Now, everything's fast, right? So uh, how I got there, I actually heard the news that Amir was going to come back, and I was recovering from my concussion still, and I was just sitting in my bed. I'm like, you know what, let me mock him. And not thinking that I was going to get the fight, but just to stay relevant in the picture because I had to recover. Yet, as I'm mocking, I get the fight. Now I'm like, shoot, now I got this fight. Is that offered to me? If I back out, people are going to think I have no guts. So I took the fight. I made an irresponsible decision to do it with a concussion, training with a concussion. I don't remember much about it. Until this day, I have all my faculties. I've never been cut in the ring. I never okay. bled in the ring. I got blown out quickly. Thank God, it was a it was a way of God telling me, "Hey, kid, you shouldn't be here. You have, you have no business being here tonight." Uh, I'm sorry, Phil. Just to yeah. fill everybody in, right? So on um, April 21st, 2018, uh, Phil fought Amir Khan, and you know, and who knows the world of boxing? They all know that Amir Khan is a, a really good boxer. Uh, Phil was re- recouping from a concussion, and he held that back. Uh, and and you did take and a. You did take a big chance. You did take a big chance, but thank the Lord that everything yeah, went fine. I took a big chance. I took a big chance. I don't make the money. No, on your life, I'm talking about. On my, on my life. That's what I'm talking and, about, Phil. So, to the young kids out there, you know, if you're playing whatever sport you may play, football especially, when these things happen more often, concussion. Concussion can't be detected unless. You tell your doctor your symptoms. That's how the a concussion is being detected. You can't detect them via MRI or CAT scan, none of that stuff. So throughout my journey of recovering for about a year and a half, I learned so much about concussions. You know, unfortunately, it's not addressed enough in box. I'm not going to be the first guy now to start uh, making noise about it. You know, people do know that this is a sport where these things can happen. But if it happens in the gym, a coach should know the symptoms of a fighter when he's not 100%. I was able to. I was just smart enough to hide it. Smart, and Phil. Smart. At that point, I had to be smart because having, having, as I made the decision to take the fight, True. I had to be smart enough to not show people my weakness. But like I said, and you said yourself, thank, thank God everything went well. And uh, and you came out right after that anyway, and you uh, you know, you kind of like you know, 
you kind of ripped into yourself uh, for what, what, what happened there. But uh, if I recall correctly, I mean, there was during the press conference too, you had glasses on. I mean, at that point you were still, you know, and, and the concussion was, was in full effect. I mean, the lights were bothering you. Everything was bothering you at that point. Everything was bothering me. I had, the reason why I was, uh, I had glasses on because yes, lights were bothering me. Yes, there's a lot of people around and, it, you know, crowds confuse the brain. Also, I developed something in my eye called strabismus. I had to get operated. Oh, yes. Strabismus is when the eye, and, and when the glasses came out way through the water at me, the paparazzi took a snapshot. One of my eyeballs went up. My brother sent me the picture. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to get caught. They're going to say, what's wrong with my eye? And, I'm not gonna get the fight. Luckily, it never leaked for whatever reason. for whatever reason it never leaked out. Hey, do you re- do you regret the fact that it didn't leak? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's water under the bridge now, like we said. But these are just small things, right? I mean, the me- the p- most powerful message here is that to all the young athletes, uh, no matter what sport, but especially the the heavy contact sports like boxing, football, hockey, uh, or any sport really, if you really want to think about it. Uh, if there is an issue, I mean, to speak up, right, Phil? Oh, of course. I was just lucky. And, yeah, I got very, it was very, it was a very, I was in a very strange world at that time. I remember I was shooting the culinary fighter, a TV, the YouTube show that I started. Yeah. I did the all concussed. I was all concussed on that. Hmm. And I had to tell my camera guy, I should give me a signal when my eyeball goes up so I can adjust myself. Wow. So he did a great job, a great job editing it. But I fight with Conor Fighter now, season two. It'll be completely different. I mean, I sound tired right now. You have to excuse my energy. I just had a long day, but you know, um, my speech, uh, the the enhancement of my thought process comes out quicker. Yeah, I, I'm not a doctor, but I watched your whole series. I watched the series when you were prepping for the con fight. Right, I mean, you had some amazing trainers there too, right? Uh, in Vegas, no one could ever tell that anything was wrong with you because you shot that series amazing, and the guests that you had on were amazing as well. Can you tell us your your relationship with? Because uh, you mentioned it before, right? How you uh, uh, let's say uh, in, intrigued uh, Amir Khan to to uh, take on the fight. You you mentioned social media and how fast it is. What is your uh, uh, relationship with social media? is that you market yourself you know you're your own brand you are what you put out there uh, I don't use it I took advantage of it but I don't use it as much now as I'm doing other things but social media if you know how to use it well I had to use it for as an arsenal for my career you can go places now you have to you, know, you can create yourself a lot of opportunities for sure and uh, you mentioned uh, I, I, I'm actually you got me very excited and for whoever else has uh, seen any episode, I'm sure they're excited as well. You mentioned a possible uh, season two of The Culinary Fighter. Is that 100%? Well, season one was funded by myself, PLG. Uh, season two, if the fans want to see it, I might need some help because I, I can't keep being the, fund, the founder and the funded guy for The Culinary Fighter, but I'm looking to do season two and. uh Another season in, in Italy, uh, 12 episodes, all about the Italian lifestyle, all about, you know, where I grew up, about myself. Because, you know, the word culinary fighter, that's exactly who I am. I like to eat and I like to fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first one is definitely uh, in the DNA. I mean, we, we unfortunately, it's part of our uh, culture. It's part of our lifestyle. 
If we're happy, we eat. If we're sad, we eat. Uh, th- we just need an excuse to eat. And even if there's no excuse, we eat. So that's definitely something that's in within within our DNA. Uh, the fighting part, I mean, that's all thanks to your, your hard work. And I know you, you, your, your dad has helped you a lot as well. I see him also sometimes online in the past, you know, hitting the, 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 the bag and all that. Uh, so those two, two, two things definitely work together. The, the guests that you had were some amaz- amazing guests, and they were literally from all around the country. I remember when you came here, uh, I think it was Long Island, right, with uh, Algeri? I had Chris Algeri, I had Paul Malanji, Mikey Garcia, Peter Quill, and Sam Watson, Jesse Vargas. I had so many, you know, they had a great time. You know, something different. I was able to bring it to the fighting world. I was the first one to bring it. It was an idea that I had over 10 years, and I brought it to fruition. Yeah, so I actually, I, I, I truly advise anyone who hasn't seen uh, Phil's uh, series, The Culinary Fighter, uh, to go on YouTube and uh, watch one episode because you're going to get hooked. What happens throughout the show is really cool, the stories and all that. Uh, you had Paulie on too, right? Another uh, Brooklyn boy? So was my first. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, who, if you if you just want to uh, have a good time, go to YouTube, watch the the series, and and you know, and leave your comments because I know you're definitely going to enjoy it, and you're going to hear uh, so many good stories, and you're going to see some uh, some different types of cuisines and different types of uh, from different types of cultures, which was uh, really really uh, fun to watch. Uh, in the meantime, Phil, I mean, some time has passed from that as well, and um, you are not boxing currently, uh, but you are still in the world of boxing. Can you tell us how you're doing this? I'm doing it as a manager right now. I decided to be a manager as well because a lot of fighters, they need, they need guidance because in boxing, unfortunately, most, not all, but most in boxing, have something that I call hashtag BBE. Hmm. And that stands for bad business ethics. A lot of them, most of them, not all, have bad business ethics, whether it's promoters, trainers, advisors, bad business ethics. So I've seen the flaws growing into the sport and took notes many times, mental notes to write down stuff. What would I do different? How can I help the next guy do better? I scouted over 20 fighters and I have one fighter that I'm managing. I'm blessed to have him. He's part of uh, my my management team and he's 10-0 with 10 knockouts. He just fought last Saturday in uh, Mexico. He won by knockouts. He's a... big superstar to be at the, in the lightweight division. Yeah, so so tell us a little bit more about him. Give us his name. Give us everything. His name is Lucas Body. He goes by Prince Lucas Body. He's a half of he's, a, he's the real deal. He's so that, a great that, amateur fighter. Many times he won the national titles. And uh, now we're just getting ready to take off, fight big fights under the big lights, as I like to say. <laughs> so that's the that's the name to look out for. So I'm hoping to see him pretty soon on, on big cards, which I know will happen pretty soon with your guidance. And what you just said there is very, very important, right? One of the things that we talk about at uh, Clutch Recruits is the fact of building a support system because regardless of what your goals are, you never really know uh, who's trying to steer you in the right direction. And we always try to tell the, the young athletes, the student athletes, to try to align the goals, right? So if you know what your goal is, right, through your plan, whoever you have around you should align with that. Because uh, if you're going to have somebody pulling in one direction and you're pulling in another, uh, you're not going to get to where you're supposed to get. I mean, do you agree with that? 100%. One of, like I was saying, I really wanted you on this uh, on this episode of the podcast because um, following you throughout the years, uh, you definitely had your challenges. 
You definitely had an amazing career. But one thing, and this is just from the outside, because of course I don't know your personal business, but it seems like you always had a plan. You were always thinking. Things didn't just happen by mistake. Yes, sometimes you would get that phone call like you got with the uh, Spence fight, but things were planned. How important is having a plan, Phil? My plan started January 21st, 1995, 10 years old. I knew everything was planned. I had goals, and I knew exactly. I made all my moves in boxing. Unfortunately, I didn't have somebody making the moves for me. That's why I think I'm going to be a great manager because I was able to do this on my own and have some success in this game. Making the right moves, making the right connections, building the right relationships with the right promoters, managers, advisors, trainers, coaches, strength coaches, media. I always had a plan. I, I think, if I may, and if you allow me to say so, I think you're being a little modest, right? Because you say you had a little uh, part in this game. You actually started back in 2006. And you had a career that spun uh, 12 years. And to be honest, knowing you, not personally, but knowing you, I don't even know if it's over yet in terms of you going back into the ring, but uh, who knows. But in, the, in those 12 years, you had a very successful career. You've been all around the world. You met so many people. And more important, in my opinion, you learned so much. That is also what we're about. We try to give back to the youth, and that's what you're doing now with your uh, young fighter. And uh, we definitely wish you the best with that. Any other future plans, Phil? Right now, no. Right now, the only thing is focusing on getting talent, you know, talented fighters out there, and help them grow into this uh, sport of boxing and teaching them also good business ethics. Good business ethics. The first thing when we see a fighter, when he wins a good fight and makes money, what does he do? He buys a watch, posts it on Instagram, buys a car. Well, I like to flip it. Why don't I buy myself a nice property, and then the property buys me the watch, buys me the car, buys me the lifestyle. The car, the watches do not buy you a lifestyle. It's investing your hard-earned money properly when in the, after that, where in the future, um, if your investments grow and you'll be a little bit more patient, your investments will buy you the, the, the nice cars, the nice watches, the nice lifestyle. I never did that where I had some money and then right away I went to go uh, buy nice stuff. So you put the money to work for you, and, and that's very important, especially after all the sacrifices that... Uh, every athlete's make, but especially a boxer, right? Uh, f- literally getting beat up for their money. Uh, you, you, you know, the 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 waste would not, uh, um, you know, would not be would not justify after all those sacrifices. I agree with that. In terms of you looking for boxers, right, with your crew, how do you? What is your method? I mean, you don't have to give away secrets, but do you just no, go to do you go to fights? Do you go to gyms? Do you? How does it work? Look for a story, first of all. Story, talent, uh, the the drive in, uh, in an athlete, and ask them the re- ask them the reason why. If I like what I hear, from what I hear, and then what I see physically, then I make my decision. I went through over 
20, maybe 25 fighters, and only one I was able to choose from. I was going to choose from one. So you're trying to build your team carefully, right? More from a, a character standpoint. I think very selective. Very selective. Because it takes a lot of time, a lot of phone calls, a lot of discussions, conversations, a lot of energy, a lot of things. Like this deal that I'm trying to put together for my fighter right now. Uh, next fight, it's a lot of hiccups, a lot of thinking, a lot of calls, a lot of meetings, a lot of time. And and how how is this world of uh, COVID uh, influenced also the way uh, – Boxers maybe train or or even the, the bouts, right? I mean, there are not a lot of places where you could fight nowadays. Well, I have my opinion on COVID, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> no, uh, gonna... <laughs> um, you know, it's it's really hurt me because I had a big project here in Niagara Falls. I was going to have a big boxing series just like Brooklyn Boxing, having the big fights, the big lights. But COVID messed that up, and now we got to adjust accordingly. It's been hard, very hard. But are, are boxers still able to train? Are they able to go to their gyms? To make a living, most important thing. Yeah. Not making a living. Yeah. That's so what that, happens when you're not making a living? The sport dies down. That That's hurting so many people right now, unfortunately. And let's just pray that uh, this vaccine is uh, the true answer for uh, for this COVID situation. Yeah, um, for sure. But, but that project that you just mentioned in Niagara Falls, such a... Beautiful location. I mean, that must have been something spectacular if it would have happened. It will happen, hopefully, in a couple of years, if and when. Yeah, it just gets me really upset that I'd rather just not talk about it because it was a big project. So you told us what you look look for in a boxer, right, uh, that you could possibly have on your team. What do you offer the boxer? And I'm not talking about from a money standpoint. I'm talking about from uh, loyalty and transparency and all that. But what do you offer him besides that? I mean, what what are the questions that they ask you? What are they looking to get from you, actually? Very simple. It's very simple. It's knowledge, guidance, and influence. Knowledge, guidance, and influence. Influence equals the relationships that you've built with the others to make this business transaction for your fighter getting them the fights, making the calls for the right people. And once once you promise that, they jump on board, if you like them, of course? It's, a, it's their choice. I don't push anybody to sign with me. But, uh, you know, if they're smart enough, which most of them, they are, they see the opportunity, they see that I've been there before, and they see that I've done it before, and, you know, I know what it's like to be a fighter. That's a big plus. So you've been uh, you you've been at the MGM Grand Atlantic City. Are we going to see you with your fighters in the states eventually? You could take that to the bank. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Take that to the bank and cash in early. <laughs> so, what is the big thing about fighting in the United States? Why is this the biggest stage in the world for boxing? It is because of the history. So, look, if you want to play soccer go to England, you go to Italy, you go to Spain. You want to box, you go to England, you go to the States. You want to play football, you go to the States. Baseball, States. Basketball, States. Hockey, Canada, Canada. States. <laughs> yes. Sport has its own um, recognition from where it comes from. To conclude this uh, episode, let me ask you a question. What lesson should any potential athlete, uh, if it's a student athlete, if it's a potential pro athlete, what they should take out of this uh 40-minute conversation that we just had. Be smart. Number one, to the parents out there, if you're going to take your kid to go play basketball, soccer, boxing, judo, and your kid has some potential, you see potential in your kid. Also, also say some parents, not all, some, 
put them in sports where there's no future in it. I'm always thinking about the future. And what I mean by that, I don't know. All sports are great. They're beautiful. They're all sacrificed. But unfortunately, some pay more than the most. And taking a kid, for example, he wants to learn judo or learn, learn a sport that if he, become, he or she becomes good at it, wants to be do it as a profession, and there's no way to sustain that lifestyle financially, uh, you just wasted, you don't waste, but you put in 20 years of hard work with no future, number one. Number two, don't take your kid to the first gym that you do your homework, because the habits that you're going to pick up in the gym in the beginning are the habits that you're going to carry on for a long time. Now, it might be good habits. You just happen to walk into a gym and it happens to be great, or just a decent gym, and your kid gets to learn. Uh, gets to learn on an average level, but also develops bad habits. So do your research. Who's mentoring your kid? Who's coaching your kid? Who are the clients? Who are their past clients? Where do they come from? I had to do this research myself when I was a kid because my father, he didn't have any boxing connection. I was smart. I was smart enough to know my father loves boxing, but he doesn't have any connections, so I got to make the calls myself. And the way I went to a gym, I was in another gym when I started. Good coach, good basic coach. But when I used to go to tournaments, I used to see another gym. They used to win all the trophies. So I told my dad, we got to go there because mm. they're doing something that this gym is not doing. So pick up a sport where there's a future in it as well. You know, so, Not everybody can be a swimmer like Michael Phelps and be a millionaire. Yep. What about the second, third, and fourth guy, and fifth guy? Where is he today? Yeah. Right? So you could be, you could play hockey. You don't got to be in the first liner. You could be in the third liner, but you could still make a lot of money. Actually, while you were talking, uh, you know, I was thinking about, you know, your career and so many other sports uh, and so many other boxing, so many other sports like tennis players. I mean, these are solo careers, right? I mean, you have your corner, you have the prep team and all that, but at the end, it's just you and your opponent. Uh, team sports, right? Now you have this whole uh, squad with you, and you have to depend on each other. Is it better to be part of a team? Can you speak to that, being that you were in a sport that it's just you and uh, and your gloves? No, not for me, because I always want to be a leader. And I want to be the captain of my own ship. I want to drive, sail the ship at my own pace, which was very fast. And to all the destinations that I wished for, all of them. And in terms of destinations, did you uh, reach them all? I reached them all. Uh, it's, it's 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 a little bit bittersweet, I would say, if I, if I have to be honest. I did accomplish more than most in boxing, um, but uh, it's satisfying the fact that I left. I pretty much I'm leaving the sport with not an ounce of blood in the ring when I fought, not being cut, not being injured, having my faculties together. I'm able to have conversations with people such as yourself that make sense. Boxing is an unforgiving sport, man. I, don't, I still don't even know how I did it. I don't. I, now that I'm on the outside in the last two years, I don't know how I did it. I just did it. And another thing is tell people to athletes or whatever sport they may play, you just got to jump. And play. Don't think. Because if you think too much, you'll hold yourself back from your goals. Yep. And and we saw that, like I said before, in that Spence fight where they gave you two days to get ready. So, you know, maximize your opportunities, take advantage, always keep your options open, and try to go for it all the time. 
100% I agree with you. Hey, I really want to thank you uh, for giving us the time tonight to get to know you better. Uh, once again, I do recommend for anyone ha who hasn't seen uh, the series uh, to go watch it on YouTube. I think it's an amazing series. I think you get hooked on it. Plus, you have so many other videos out there. Follow Phil LaGreco on his uh, Instagram and on his Facebook page. And uh, Phil, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, I hope we uh, get to see each other soon, as soon as this thing is all over. 100%, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right, Phil. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for having spent another episode with us. Just want to remind you that ClutchCast is brought to you by Clutch Recruits. If you want to find out more about Clutch Recruits and what we can do for you and your recruitment process, please visit us at www.clutchrecruits.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Clutchcast Podcast. That's all one word, Clutchcast Podcast. And once again, thank you very much to Phil Greco for giving us so many life lessons tonight. Phil, we can't wait to have you on again. Thank you.